thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. If you were here on Sunday, I want to kind of pick up a little bit of, of kind of where we were on Sunday, really. And so if you, you weren't here, not part of the church, I'll give you a little bit of a recap. Um, but one, one of the things that I felt God speak to me about a lot this year, uh, kind of coming into this year, is, is from the book of Nehemiah. And um, the book of Nehemiah is in the Old Testament and it's basically all around the whole situation that was in Jerusalem uh, in part, as part of the exile. And, um, and the kind of word ruined was the kind of word that kind of came to my, to my mind really. When you read Nehemiah, uh, the actual word ruins comes in quite a lot actually in, in the text as well. And um, some of you will know that on, on Sunday just gone, we, uh, we released a song that's gone out on Facebook uh, yesterday. It's going to come out on YouTube later in the week as well. And we'd asked Dan and the team to go into the old fire damaged building next door in August 2015. Uh, our auditorium was destroyed by fire. And um, the last seven years has been amazing, really. And so this whole week has been a really special week for me because uh, I've got to be honest, like the last season of leadership, certainly through COVID, has certainly been one of the most challenging in my experience, harder in many ways um, than the whole fire situation, if I'm, if I'm really honest. Um, but, but just this last week, the guys recorded that song and uh, the song went out and the song ruins. It's such a brilliant song. It's all about the fact that that ruined... Okay, ruined, when you look at the definition, means irreparably damaged or harmed. Irreparably damaged or harmed. But when God's in the equation, irreparably is not on the agenda. It's not so with God. And so when I watched that song, and the song was recorded in the old fire-damaged building next door, and just thinking about the fact that the last seven years, you know, Sunday just gone, we met in six, seven different spaces in Halesowen, in Hagley, in Rowley, in Bromsgrove, in Clibbury, in Duras, Albania, online as well. And that's just amazing. And in all of those spaces, I think nearly all of them, there were new people coming and taking steps towards God. So God has done way more than we can ask or imagine. Amen. And what looks ruined to us actually isn't like that when it comes to God. So uh, basically on Sunday, we introduced the whole uh, idea of Nehemiah. And uh, Nehemiah was, was, was a guy who was... A, a Jew, uh, okay, so, so, but he was, he'd been deported into exile and a whole load of his other friends and family and people back in the home were living in Jerusalem and Jerusalem was in trouble because the walls were broken down and the gates were on fire. And when he heard what was happening in the people and in the place, God ruined him. So God ruined him, but in a good way. You see, I want, I want to suggest, guys, that there's something in the heart of God right now stirring when He looks on, at our planet. And when He looks at our planet right now, I don't think in my lifetime, and I've been around a while now, I don't think I've ever been in a time where our world is more divided, our world is more anxious, our world is more uncertain, our world is more fearful than it's been in, these, in this last season. And when you look at it, it looks like in many senses that the walls are down and the gates are on fire. It looks ruined. It looks irreparably harmed or damaged, but it's not irreparable when it comes to God. Amen. Because God is the God who loves to restore. God is the God who loves to renew. God is a God who loves to rebuild. But He does it by grabbing hold of men and women and by ruining them, but in a good way. 
And what happens is that Nehemiah asks the question. He asks the question, what's going on in the people and what's going on in the place? He cares enough to ask the question. Then he cares enough to listen to the answers. And then he cared enough to sit with God long enough for God to do something in his life. And when you read in Nehemiah chapter 1, you can read about what happened. And it says that Nehemiah sat with God and he mourned and he wept and he fasted. And then out of that, he prayed. And I didn't look at the prayer on Sunday because I want to look at it now. Because the prayer shows us how we align ourselves with God in such a way that God grabs a hold of our heart, ruins us for a vision worth living and dying for and uses us to be restorers of broken places and people. It's very quiet in here. You don't want to be a restorer of broken places and people, do you? Neither do I, really. Outside of God, grabbing a hold of my heart, I don't want to do that. But when God grabs a hold of your heart and says, do you know what? You've only got one life. You can live it for yourself or you can live it for the glory of God and for others. And when God grabs a hold of that vision for you or you grab a hold of that vision from God, He ruins you. And there's some keys in this prayer. And it says in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 5. So I hope, it's, there we go. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps His covenant of love with those who love Him and keep His commandments. So what he does is he starts, and we'll go to the next slide, he starts with praise. Who is God? What has he done? What is his character? Whenever you're looking at any situation, don't start with a situation, start with God. That's why all the way through COVID, you know, and I, God challenged me on this right at the beginning. I said, don't start your day with the news. Don't finish your day with the news. Bookend your day with God. Watch the news, of course, that's important. But if you start with the news and if you end with the news, it ain't going to be a good night's sleep. Don't start with the situation. Start with God. And as Nehemiah hears all that's going on in the people and the place, he starts with praise. Who is God? What has He done? What is His character? And then in the next verse, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. After praise comes position. Got to get ourselves lined up right. Who are we before God? What is our position? What is our duty? He says, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer. Your servant is praying. So, so what he does is he starts with praise, who God is, and then he gets his position right before God. Who am I in relation to God? If you are a follower of Jesus, you're a servant of God, aren't you? You're a servant of God. That's your position. That's, and there's a duty that comes with that. And not, not a negative duty, but a response. You know, the Apostle Paul often introduced himself um, as a slave. Used the word doulos, the Greek word doulos. It literally, um, it comes from, from the book of Exodus where a slave was, was set free. But if the slave chose to actually, I don't want to be set free. I love my master. I want to serve my master. He was a doulos then. He was a slave by, by choice. And they would take him and pierce his ear at the door just to show that he, he was serious. Our position before God is that we are His servants. Do you know what I mean? I, I honestly think that many of us in the Western church have got the whole thing the, the wrong way around. It's like God created us in His image and we return the favour. And actually we think that God is there to do what we want to do to make us happy, healthy and wealthy. 
And actually, that's the wrong position. Nehemiah started with who God was and then he said, this is who I am. And then, and then it says this, confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees and laws. You gave your servant Moses. Now let me pause there for a minute. Nehemiah is in exile. The people back in Israel are the ones who turned away from God. And yet Nehemiah says, we, including myself, have moved away from you. I want to say something because the next, the next P is penitence. What do we need to confess? We don't talk about confession in our kind of church, but we're going to talk about confession tonight. And we're going to talk about repentance because these are life-changing spiritual principles You see, on Sunday I said that I think God wants to restore some stuff in you and in me and in us that's been broken and that's been stolen. And in this last season, many of us have had things broken and stolen, right? Our peace of mind, our confidence, our hope. Many of us have lost people through this season as well, through COVID or just through life and death situations. But you know, it's not only what's been broken or been stolen that we need to face up to is also what we've allowed to happen, what we've given away and what we have surrendered. Because the people of Israel were in exile because they turned away from God. They weren't in exile just because somebody else came and did something to them. They were in the situation they were in. They were in the ruins that they were in because they had turned away from God. And I wonder how many of us, if we're honest, would say, do you know what? In this season, in these last few months or years, I've turned away from God in some areas as well. Maybe I've not just had things broken or stolen, but maybe I've given some things away. Maybe I've done some things that aren't right in God's sight. So maybe I actually need, like Nehemiah is doing, to confess some things and turn back to God And you see, I think the state Jerusalem was in was connected to what they'd given away and what they'd allowed into their lives. And I'd love to do a talk on this at some point. It's quite heavy, all right, so I won't do it for you now, but I'll give you some headlines. You see, there's loads of things in the church, in the Western church, that we need to repent of, that I need to repent of. We often talk about the consumerism that there is in our society. There is no one more consumeristic than Christians. We're so consumeristic. Well, it didn't do much for me and the worship's not this and the worship's not that and this is not that and that's not that and it's a bit too hot in here, isn't it? And it's too cold in here. We're consumers. We take, we take. And I think that's a sin that some of us, myself included, need to repent of. Narcissism, where I'm at the centre of my world and God is rotating around me. It's not that way around, it's the other. Hedonism, pleasure, entitlement. Entitlement isn't just a millennial thing, it's a people thing where we think we're entitled to all of this stuff. And I wonder whether some of us, myself included, need to say, God, I've kind of strayed away here. Do you know what I mean? I've given things away. I've, I've stepped into stuff and that's part of why there are ruins around in my life as well. And Nehemiah identifies with that. And then he goes on to say, remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses saying, it's like, God, do you remember this? Of course God remembers it, but this is for Nehemiah's benefit, okay? If you're unfaithful, I'll scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me 
and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people at the farthest horizon, I'll gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. The next thing he goes on to is promises. What are the promises God has made? If you return to me, if you return to me. Do you know the word repentance isn't the heavy word that we think it is? And if I say the word repentance, you immediately think like a sandwich board around me with repent because the end of the world is coming and you're all going to burn. That's what you think. Repentance doesn't mean that. Repentance means you change your mind. You turn from the direction you're going and you turn to God. And it's about a change of thinking that leads to a change of feeling and emotion that leads to a change of behaviour. And it's like, and Nehemiah says, if you return to me. And in the promises you get, the promises God has made to us, how we respond to the promises, what happens to our faith and hope as we remind ourselves, return to God. And we're going to have a little bit of time tonight where we maybe invite the Holy Spirit just to point out areas of our life. And we don't do this very often, and maybe we should, because I know in my own life, that I can move away from God ever so slightly, like a degree. Do you know what I mean? And you move away from a little, you know, one degree and it's no big deal. But over a period of time, that one degree and you're like nowhere. And we can do that. And God says, return to me. Not because he wants to beat us with a stick, but because he wants to love us. And he loves us best when we're aligned with him. Nehemiah goes on to say this, they are, they are your servants and your people whom you redeem by your great strength. See where he started? He started with who God is. Then he's owned the bit where we've wandered off. But then he's reminding God who they are to him. They are your servants and your people whom you redeem by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering or revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favour in the presence of this man. He finishes with petition. What needs underlining in these days? Where do we need to ask for God's favour and success? And I wonder tonight, we're going to take communion in a moment. I'm going to invite the band if they could come back up, please. We're going to take communion in a moment. And uh, before we do that, you know, the Bible talks about uh, in the book of Corinthians and in other places that when you take communion, and can I just say, it's like, it's a really interesting thing, isn't it? Because this is something that Christians have done for 2,000 years, okay? And it goes way back into Jewish history as well, but we won't go there. This is something that we've done for 2,000 years. And Jesus said, you kind of do this forever, all right? He didn't just mean do communion. He meant the act of being in communion with each other and with God. But the Apostle Paul says, but when you take communion, you should do it thoughtfully and you should do it with a sense of introspection, with a sense of reflection, with a sense of God, what's going on in my heart? Not just, oh, here's the bread and here's the juice and away we go. But actually, where have I turned away from God? Where, where have I allowed things to be broken and stolen? Where have I allowed things by giving things away in my life? Where, where have I allowed consumerism and narcissism and entitlement and hedonism to actually be my God and to be my ruler rather than Jesus? And the Apostle Paul says it in, in this, in, in 1 Corinthians. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. So we're going to do something a little bit different for our tradition. I'm going to invite you to stand with me if you're willing and able. And online, we'd love you to engage with this as well. And up on the screen in a moment is going to come 
a reading that I want us to read out loud together as an act of confession. But before we do that, because that's somebody else's words, I want to just take a moment. Maybe just, if you're happy to just close your eyes and just ask God to speak to you. Life's been so hard the last few years. And in our reaction sometimes, in our response to the external, we've given some stuff away. Some of us have done that. I know I have. We've turned away in certain areas. We've allowed some things into our life, into our heart that we know aren't pleasing to Jesus. And maybe, maybe tonight, maybe tonight, before, before we even think about what God is doing in us and through us, we would just acknowledge that our heart is not always wholehearted. Maybe some of us in this room or watching online, there is sin in our life and we know that. And sin just, it means missing the mark. But we know sexually, we're missing the mark right now. We know what God says about sex and sexuality and the beautiful gift that sex is. We know that's not how we're using that gift right now. The way we drink, the way we eat, the way we speak, the way we use our money, the way we serve or don't serve, the way we love or don't love, the way we forgive or don't forgive, we know our hearts turned away. God invites us by His Spirit lovingly to return to Him tonight. And as we take communion in a moment, we celebrate the act by which God enabled us to return to Him as clean, whole, pure people. But that really requires some confession. So Jesus, would you speak to us, Holy Spirit, right now? So now if we look up at the screen, let's read this through together. Most merciful God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we confess that we have sinned in thought, word and deed. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbours as ourselves. In your mercy, Forgive what we have been. Help us to amend what we are and direct what we shall be. That we may do justly, love mercy and walk humbly with You, our God. Amen. Father, I want to pray in these moments of worship, these moments of response, in these moments of engagement with You, God, would You come and touch our hearts again and as Nehemiah sat with you, broken, not just for the brokenness of others, but also for his own brokenness as well. God, may we be those kind of people. May we identify Jesus and may we own and take responsibility and may we be people that walk humbly with our God, that love mercy, that do justice and walk humbly with our God. And Lord, as we take communion in a moment, God, may May we not just do it as a religious activity, but may we do it as a response to the God who loves us and who lived and died for us. Not just that we could have salvation and go to heaven when we die, but so that we could have a relationship with you now 
and be your body, your hands and feet on planet earth. Help us, I pray in Jesus' name.